Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. This is one of the parables of Jesus that I I really honestly struggle to preach about because after reading that powerful parable from the gospel, I'm left with the question, what more could I really add, right? The message here from Christ is so clear. There's this squabbling happening. There's this murmuring, this arguing, this, this bitterness, this gossip right? The Pharisees and the scribes and those in authority, those with leadership in the, the, the religious landscape of the time that Jesus did ministry, well, they're, they're, they're gossiping. They're spreading rumors. They're talking in the corner of the synagogue, right, about Jesus. Who does he think he is? This guy who's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Did you see who he ate lunch with the other day? You, you can imagine the conversation, right? So his response is to tell them a parable. You know what? Um, in, instead of just telling them straight, you're wrong. God's love is for all of these people, not just you. <laughs> Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Let me give you an illustration that will show you very clearly the heart of God. There were two brothers and a father. And the one brother asked for half of the inheritance, half of the property, divide it up now and give it to me. And we heard the parable. He goes away and he squanders it. He loses everything. He he, he spends it on himself. He's in a foreign country. He realizes that he's in, he's in a bad way. He comes back. The father embraces him, runs out to him to greet him, and the other brother is indignant. How dare you? Yet the point is clear, isn't it? He was lost and is found. He was dead and he's alive. You'd think in that moment those scribes and those grumbling and those spreading rumors would would feel convicted. We We don't actually know how they felt. But the parable hangs in the ether, doesn't it? But if we're honest with ourselves, I think so often we are feeling the energy of that other brother. I know I do. The brother who's upset, the brother who doesn't get it, the brother who's frustrated... The reality is this parable is scandalous. I was probably in the sixth grade. I think it was the sixth grade. And I was watching a television program after school that I should not have been watching. And that often happened in my household because I have a sister who's three years older. And so what Jenny could watch and felt comfortable watching was probably teetering on inappropriate for her little brother, right? It wasn't the Jerry Springer show, but it was in that, it was in that, that vein. I think, I, I think it was the Montel Williams show. You remember Montel Williams? 
those afternoon uh, television shows that often were a little bit salacious, that, that, that had, you know, a, a dramatic sort of build up to them. Uh, today, we're talking to two sisters who have been estranged or whatever it was, right? You, you couldn't help but stare at it. I mean, they weren't throwing chairs and screaming at each other like the Jerry Springer show, but, but it was, you know, a show like that. And I remember watching this show with my sister and the whole special of the show was Montel Williams was going to surprise these three or four families, people, with an all-inclusive paid like vacation somewhere. And the whole time he's building up, we're going to surprise these people with, with, with this great vacation. Um, but the show was about these individuals who had really messed up. Some of them had had gotten really um, involved in selling drugs as teenagers, and yet they, they sort of made a change in their life, and, and they were now uh, not selling drugs. Others were, had done other terrible things in, in their life, and yet now they had changed their ways, and they had, they had made a, an improvement, and, and Montel Williams was there celebrating, and the audience was celebrating the recovery of these people, whether it was drugs or alcohol or something else. And I remember watching this show and getting angry, my sixth grade self. And I remember commenting as my sister's there eating her popcorn or whatever. And I remember saying, like, it's just not right. She's like, what do you mean, Lauren? I said, what about, why don't people get vacations who never mess up? Why isn't this show rewarding the people who, 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 who have just been good? You know, like, gone to school and never missed a day. This guy, right? And my sister, three years older, is just sitting there, and she's like, Lauren, can you just get over it? Can you just get over She said, aren't you the one that likes church anyway? Don't you get it? Don't you get it? No. I didn't get it. And at times, I still don't get it. Fast forward a few more years, and I'm sitting in... Dr. Mark Allen Powell's New Testament class at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And Dr. Powell started the day with, the, with, uh, with teasing us. He said, today, students, we are going to study the most scandalous of Jesus' teachings. It's the most scandalous. Anybody want to guess what it is? And we're all trying to guess and think about it. And, and he said, it's the, it's the parable of the prodigal son. And we thought, that's not scandalous until we started to discuss it and debate it and, and find ourselves in the story. And Dr. Powell forced us that day in class to look at the concept of radical grace, undeserved, unmerited grace, the grace of a father that would run out into a field and embrace a son who has done something so horribly wrong to the family. And I remember sitting there in class and getting frustrated again, thinking about that Montel Williams show years ago and thinking, it just doesn't make sense, does it? This idea that, that, that you can harm somebody, you can do something so wrong, you can, you can basically in the parable, what the one son is doing is he's saying to his father, I wish you were dead. That's the illustration Jesus is giving. It was true in the time Jesus did ministry, and it's still true today 
in cultures that are oriented around honor and shame. It would still be true today in Israel or Palestine if, if one son said to the father, I want half of my inheritance now. They would be communicating. They would be expressing, I wish you were already dead so that I could have what is coming to me. It would have brought great shame upon this father. And not just the father, the whole family. Jesus is using a very severe illustration here to get the attention of the people. And then he squanders it all selfishly. And then he realizes he's in a bad way and he's hungry. And, and we hear a little bit in the parable that yeah, maybe he is remorseful. He, he certainly comes up with his story that he's going to tell. Maybe he really feels it or maybe it's just a story out of desperation that I'll go back to my father and I'll say to my father, I don't even deserve to be your son. Can I just work for you so that I have food to eat? And he's rehearsing this story in his mind. And then this most beautiful part of the story comes. I think the most beautiful line in this whole parable is the one that says, and while he was still far off, the father got up and ran to him. Now it was certainly true when Jesus did ministry, and it's even true today, that a patriarch in a family in Israel-Palestine would not ever be seen running. It's a detail that often doesn't translate into our own culture, but it was true. You would not run. Your hired servants, the younger men are the ones who work and labor and run. You would not run. And look at this illustration Jesus gives. He throws off all aspects of cultural shame to go embrace his son. The image I have is of sandals flying off his robe wherever. And here is this father who sees his son. And before the son can go through his rehearsed line of, I have sinned against God and, and against you. I don't deserve to be your son. Just treat me like a slave. Before he can go into that whole litany, the father embraces him. And when he starts to go into the litany, the father says, um, get him a robe, get him the best robe, get him a ring, put sandals on his feet. Where is the fatted calf? Let's kill it. We need to celebrate. That is the illustration Jesus gives for the heart of our God, a heart of grace. Not just grace in the sense that like you messed up, I forgive you. You are my child and I love you. And no mistake or nothing you could do will ever be stronger than a father's love for a son. That is scandalous grace. And there's the other brother. And his story is really interesting, isn't it? And I do think that we can relate to it. Can you imagine... Put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Maybe you're feeling like you are in his shoes. But he's been working all day in the parable out in the field. And I wonder if the first reason he gets upset is that nobody told him. He hears the music and the dancing somewhere. He's coming in from the field and, what is that? He asks somebody. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, no, who? I've been out here all day. Nobody's told me anything. 
Oh, it's going to get worse, buddy. <laughs> What's going on? Well, that's for, you know that, your brother? What do you mean? Well, he came home. This is for him? The one who took half the money, brought shame upon the family, pretty much said, I'm done with you all, and went out and just spent it on himself. Now he's back, and we're throwing a party for him? Well, yeah. And then notice the choice of words when that son is in front of his father. He says, this son of yours, that brother has cut all relational connection to his own brother. He's basically made up his mind already to say, I'm no longer related to this guy. This son of yours, this is the one that you do this for, and I love the father's response. Your brother, not my son, your brother was lost, and now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. And at the end of discussing this and thinking about this in that seminary class that day, I'll never forget the words of our professor. We're all angry, and some of us are in the camp of grace, and some of us, like me, are over there feeling angry like the older brother. And the professor looked at all of us that were struggling with this grace, this radical grace. And he said, the question is this. The question will always remain. Can you get over it and join the party? Can you get over it and join the party? Grace doesn't always make sense. Certainly doesn't make sense in our world. It doesn't make sense in how we think about justice often. But it is the Father's rule for living in the household. You see, if that other brother were to come in through those doors and enter into the party, what he would be doing is he would be acknowledging that the Father's rule for this family is grace. So can you get over it? And can you join the party? Last thing I'll reflect on. What I know to be true in my own life, and it might be true in your heart, is sometimes when we have a hard time giving grace or extending it or seeing other people through the, the eyes of that Father of love, when we have a hard time giving grace to others, it might be that hidden somewhere in the shadows of our own heart, we're having a hard time accepting grace for ourselves. It might be that we have built up a construct in our own mind and in our own heart that says life is about rule following. Life is about score keeping. And when we feel self-righteous like that, brother, look, I've worked for you every day. I've done it right. I, 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 I. We often fail to see our own need for unmerited, unfavored, undeserved grace. And if that's where you are, it's an opportunity to get really honest about ourselves and to see the ways that we do fail, we do mess up in thought, word, and deed. And then it's the invitation 
to marinate, to, to meditate on the image of that father running off of the porch, sandals flying, arms wide open, running out to embrace you. Because you are loved. We are simultaneously the younger and the older brother. God's love is for both. Because God's love is for all. So can we get over it? And can we join the party? Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.